A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earl. A.M. Kozak isn't with me today as I do another one of my off-site interviews. Today I'm talking to Rob McLennan at his home in Alta Vista, where we talk about Above Ground Press in honor of its 25th anniversary. We recorded the episode on Rob's birthday, March 15th. We talk about the evolution of the press from chapbooks and magazines to all the other things Rob does. And we, we uh, it's a great interview. I hope you enjoy it. Hello everyone, I am sitting here in the living room of Rob McLennan out in Alta Vista and uh, we're going to talk about Above Ground Press. How are you Rob? Doing good, how are you doing? Pretty good. We are also, this is Rob's birthday today, the day we're recording, so happy birthday Rob. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> and, and also happy birthday, well I guess the actual official birthday of Above Ground Press. It is turning 25 this year, but it's the summertime? Is July that? 8th. July I thought 8th. it was August for years, but then uh, <laughs> Alexander Munker found my original uh, poster for the anthology I produced. So the reading for the anthology was July 8th, 93. Oh, that's great. He, yeah, Alexander Munker, um, I'll have to attack him on this po- on the on the recording, but he's ha- he's a good collector of um, all kinds of small press related things. I've often seen him show up at uh, readings with something, someone, you know, one of their older obscure mm-hmm. chapbooks and people are so happy. It would, it's, it's very happy with yeah. him when you, someone takes that care and keeps something for that long. So, so yeah, pretty neat. So pretty neat. So well, I, I saw, I saw J.W. Curry pull out an old issue of Weed Flower that he had oh, Bruce yeah. Coburn sign back wow. in 2005. Wow. And Bruce was like, where did you get this? Because <laughs> Bruce Coburn had an, a poem in one of the issues of Weed Flower. So Weed Flower is by <laughs> Nelson Ball, right? Yeah. His, 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 um, his, uh, press yeah. back in the 60s yeah. back in the 60s so today we're going to be talking mostly about um, above ground press and all things well not necessarily just chapbooks but one of the big celebrations we're having is is uh, about the chapbook so uh, that's the plan so I, to start off I could say so when you decided to make chapbooks you were in your early 20s still very early 20s right? yeah. like you were, like it was 93 right so you were well yeah well actually I made a, I made a, a chapbook of, of mine in 92, the end of 92. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, I made two more in the spring of 93, and Above Ground as a press name didn't happen until July of 93. So I was 23. Okay, okay. So what, uh, did you have any models for, for the press? Uh, blue ointment and uh, some old BP nickel stuff, because I used to uh, exist in the library stacks at the University of Ottawa Library. Morissette Library, I guess. Yep, Morissette. Um, Because I was young, I was broke. I couldn't afford to sit in coffee shops, and I couldn't afford to uh, buy a bunch of things. So I'd go to the library and sit there for like a Sunday afternoon or or a Saturday afternoon and just float through the stacks and see what there was. And they have, I don't know if it was the same in the 90s, although I was was actually a in 1993, I was I was actually 
teaching there for a brief time. Ah. So I was no longer a student there, but okay. it was just a one one term course. And I was taking some part time classes at the English department. But yeah, I used to go up to the stacks and look at all the all the small press stuff at that point too, because they had a they had a huge collection then. I hope they still have it there. Well, and they had them on the stacks. Yeah, uh, Carlton yeah. has them in. Uh, a special room that you right. can't really access unless you get permission and, you know, go through a process. Yeah. Uh, so I admired that they were on the stacks and I could really go through them. And uh, so that was kind of it. So like the first official above ground publications was an anthology mm -hmm. that I edited and produced of uh, 40 poets um, from people like Alexander Munker okay. and B. Stephen Harding to Susan Musgrave and George Bowring. I right. just wrote to all these people and said, hey, you know, send me something. George sent me one of his and a poem by his daughter, Thea. Uh, and then I did a chapbook of my own. And that was what we launched on the, the anthology in July 8th. 93. So like you, you knew uh, the, how did you know what, well, okay, let's, let's start. How did you know the locals like Alexander and B. Stephen Harding and all these people? Um, I'd been floating around uh, readings. Um, okay. I, Maybe 1990, I started going to Tree, maybe 91. So I was going to Tree, I was going to Sasquatch, I was going to Orion that Marty Floman ran. Orion, okay. Um, yeah, just sort of floating around and seeing what there was. And, yeah. um, and, and just, you know, sending my terrible little poems to lots of <laughs> magazines everywhere. How did you, so how did you know uh, George, well, I mean, I guess you knew George Bowering's work, but how did you have contact with him, like, to know to write to him? That's a good question. Because um, now with the internet, right, I know it's a lot yeah, easier you, to make contact. it's super easy now. Well, I was, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't really remember. I might have mailed him something. I've Actually, that that's what it was. I mailed him my first chapbook. Ah. Just with, uh, you know, I like your work. You know, it's a little, <laughs> little sort of note. And he mailed something back. Um, wow. I might have mailed it through his publisher. I just, I don't remember specifics. I, I most likely mailed it to Care of Talon. Um, and then Doug Iveson showed up to the anthology launch and said, hey, you're, you're connected and stuff. You should take over the Carlton Arts Review this fall. Oh, the Carlton Arts Review. And I did okay. that for two years, four issues. Yeah. So, and was soliciting people like that. And I, I you know, Carl Nartsevy was a go to. Um, this is before, wanted, long before Inwards? Long Carlton, before Inwards. Yeah. And when I took over the magazine, mm -hmm. it was nine years old. Uh, it lasted until maybe 97. Okay. Um, but yeah, Stan Rogel was in Inwards, or not Inwards, but uh, <laughs> Carl Nartsevy. And. My big goal for the first few years of sending work out was to be in a magazine with Stan Rogal. And his was the first book I ordered from a store. Like when his first book actually came out in 94. That's the first one you ordered. Yeah, I went to Octopus. I ordered it through there. <laughs> it was probably another six years before I could order another book That's through great. a store. But uh, <laughs> I just was so excited about him. We had him in for uh, a Carlton Arts Review launch. Wow. Paid him 200 bucks to read and he showed up and he had wine and, you know. You paid him 200 bucks to read? Yeah, well, we Great were, days. Great we, days. Carl Nartsview, we were given 1600 bucks to play with and we could mm. literally have done anything we wanted as long as we produced two issues in the year. That's great. Uh, so. And so, yeah, we had Michael Dennis 
paid him a hundred bucks for one launch and Stan Rogel coming from Toronto paid him 200 bucks. And then uh, the people who took it over after me put out one issue and got their fun- funding cut. Oh yeah. And it's like, look, they don't care what you do. Just put out two issues and you know, Eliminate. they either didn't care or weren't <laughs> listening and the thing died. And uh, then inwards kind of. Yeah. Inwards started 2000. It started after that. Cause there was yeah. that just sort of empty space. Yeah. Well, when Paul I Arch used to be, when I uh, basically be, right? I started to get involved in things like 2000, I took a class with Seymour Main at Ottawa U. That was mm. my first experience okay. with any really anything related to the literary. It wasn't my very first experience, but it was my first experience, sort of more formal because I went to a, right. a reading of the Ottawa Valley Book Festival in 1993 at Carlton at Roosters. Yeah, just before it died. It yeah. died in like 95. And and Robert Priest threw, or no, sorry, it was Phil Jenkins threw Robert Priest's book at me uh-huh. really? <laughs> because he was doing he was doing this thing where he said um, he was going to open it up like it was a spring baseball trade, okay. you know, spring first game of the season. I can't catch. I was really nervous. He threw it directly at me. It fell to my feet and everyone's going, take it, take it. I hadn't even written ri- read a contemporary poetry book before so that was my first sort of experience with that but oh that's lemonade we just making uh coming to join us in the interview lemonade is a cat a very nice cat about how old is lemonade now he's two years older than rose so he's uh six almost six and a half there you go so that's how we measure we measure age in cats and children that's so i took (laughs) the auto review poetry class yeah 92, 93. I didn't know that actually. Uh, Interesting. It was the one year Seymour Main had sabbatical. So oh. it was one of the, it's was one it of the few years. No poetry. Okay. It's one of the few years that didn't have a chapbook at the end, mm. which is very annoying. Yeah. Um, and that's how I met Rhonda Douglas. She was in the class. Oh, okay. and, um, who was the instructor? Mark Fretkin. Okay. And uh, Tony Danderand was there too. I don't know that. Um, poet and playwright. He went back home. He lives on a reserve um, okay. outside of Vancouver. I don't remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, he's he's self-published in poems here, like chapbooks of poems, and uh, done a bunch of plays. So we're both alumni of that of that class, thirty two sixty four or something. And yeah. then I, I took the follow up after that. There was an advanced one, and I took that one. It was only a half a half a year though. So. Oh okay. So that and then my chapbook came out with with uh, my chapbook that shall remain nameless. No, it was Blood Orange came out with uh, Friday Circle at that point. So was that because I know um, Friday Circle was around at that time or start sort of so, yeah. Like, I came out right at I think the class after mine. Yeah okay. Because uh, I think it was the class after mine was uh, was people like Steve Bartell and and Crystal right. Stack and all of yeah. that when Seymour came back. Yeah, right? well, that's it. Because Crystal and I, uh, we started, uh, we restarted Bywords and Friday Circle together, mm-hmm. and then I, and then that didn't last very long. And then uh, Charles and I went on our own and right. added an advisory committee. That was in 2003, so. So in when I took the class in 92, 93, I found it only useful for making me write more often. Mm. Um, it did not help me at all as far as editorial. Um, and most of the people in the class would just say, that's great, or I don't understand what you're doing. Uh which I found really kind of useless. And it got to a point in the class that no one wanted to hear from me anymore. Uh, <laughs> because I would always add, but, 
Yeah. That's great, but like we're we're not we're here we're not yeah, here for, for pats in the back. On the like back. okay, well this uh, this line I don't understand, you know don't like I so I'd sort of question various parts of what people were doing in their work. Well maybe that's sort of the beginnings of before you started to do your own offer your own workshops, you're saying, Well, this is not how to do a workshop, right? Well it wasn't a workshop. Yeah, it wasn't workshop. If you're not actually work- workshopping, it's no, not a workshop. It's sort having- of a, it's a gathering. No. It's well, you know, it's and uh, there's one woman who uh, an older woman well, I was twenty three, she could have been like forty. Yeah, really. Um who wrote in Cree and then I guess sort of self-translated her poems in English, yeah. which was really interesting. Yeah. But anytime anyone would comment on her work, uh, she would get super defensive and say, but it works in Cree. That's good. Well, <laughs> that's nice and all, but then why are you here? Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't want us to talk about yeah. your work, then literally it's, why are you here? It's the age-old thing. I, my workshop with Seymour was great because we, actually the group I had, I was in a group of good people. I can't remember when it was like Christy, McKay, and, okay. um, but we had a lot of, there were a lot of good people in that class and um, I, I can't, it's funny, um, I had, and some of them even became part of Bywords at first for a while, the on the on the selection committee. But uh, we learned how to at least do, ba- like one of the main things for me was basic editing because I'd never taken, an, I'd taken literary courses, but I'd never taken like a, an actual workshop. So we did, we went around and we uh, made, uh, you know, people made suggestions. It was an actual workshop. It was quite good. So, and uh, then we got introduced to various poet, like poets that I hadn't, spent a lot of time with mm-hmm. and uh but then i took workshops with a workshop with armand rufo at carlton and then i took your workshop so right so it was a good thing oh but we're supposed to be talking about above ground yeah. press and, and chapbooks but we'll get we'll get, get back to, to that. i'm fine yes and I, and I have this nice tea and, and rob also made uh his famous banana bread which i'm looking forward to trying so that's uh mm. it's always it's always great to come here and get to get treats so what uh, what did you like about the uh, chapbook format then, and and has your opinion about it changed or? Well, I liked that it was inexpensive to produce uh, and therefore inexpensive to distribute. Uh, and you know, when I started doing Above Ground, I wanted to do both chapbooks and a magazine, but I knew I couldn't afford to sell both. Um, because then I was just basically kind of creating two different problems. So that's why Stanzas was uh, yeah. a magazine distributed free. That's right. And it was mostly long poems and poems. It was series? a long yeah. poem sequence yeah. magazine yeah. based on George Baring's Imago. Okay. Uh, and, and the logic was if I hand out the magazine, it'll help promote the chapbooks. Right? Because right. that's, you know, for, for general purposes, it was pre-internet. Like I had, I had email back in '94, but uh, you know, I, I was I hadn't really done my. I think it was another year or so before I started my email list. Okay, that's a, that was another good question. So yeah, so for, I'm sure anyone listening to this probably knows this, but Rob has an email list where he emails out um, all kinds of information. Well, used to right? Like I don't I don't need to anymore in the same way because Bywords oh. use this. Right? Yeah, but you still you I still get. Uh, emails from your list occasionally. They're pretty much they're pretty much uh, my things that I'm sending out. It's not I'm not sending out like a hundred different events anymore because yeah, I don't need to. Right. I still words, send you. Again, yeah, I still send words you. Exists, right? call all the time. Yeah, yeah, I send them out occasionally. Yeah, I I still think that list service is helpful. Uh, yeah. So when you do it, I I still yeah. Like it. But I know when I started it, I was running Tree by June '94. Right. And I ran that through until January first, '99. 
And there was no central point for all the, as you know, yeah. all the readings. Like, yeah. Citizen would have one or two events, maybe whatever crappy weekly would have one or two events, and they were all different. That's so and Citizen would, and the Express, yeah. there'd be almost no overlap in the And the their Byward's magazine had them, but sometimes it came out late, so they were. Yeah, and, behind, and that only really worked if you knew it existed and went and f to yeah. find it. I used to actually. Before but, I was involved, I used to just pick it up from pubs and stuff occasionally, yeah. which was nice. Yeah. But that's but that's why I started the email list running tree because it just, you know, none of this stuff was being compiled. There was no central point. Yeah. So I think for like five or six years, I was the central point for a lot of people. All these which things. Which is neat, but it meant I had like 450 people on that list. Yeah. And I th I don't know, was the list... By the end. Was it sometimes too, like you had sort of separate little listservs sometimes for locals or for people out of town or because... Yeah, I, I, I had one that was just for local events and mm -hmm. one that was for sort of people out Calls of town. and, and stuff. Then, and then if I had like a chapbook come out, I'd send it to both lists. Right. You know. That's good. So with it, so with st you started with you did stanzas as a way of advertising the above ground press. I made it. I made it free for that reason. Right. Yeah. Right. Because I, I didn't want to sell a magazine and sell chapbooks. I thought that was just I was just making things needlessly hard. So if I gave one away, that would maybe help the. Uh, chapbooks along just just like the the drug dealer it's the same sort of idea you get give them, them a little yeah. bit for free as a gateway they yeah. get addicted and then you and then the yeah. stanza started out as a print run of 500 500 yeah by issue seven it had gone to 750 wow and by issue 31 i'd gone to a thousand wow uh issue 40 i did a run of 1200 though why but, uh, because it was the it was last mine. one it was mine Oh, right. No, okay. no. The last one was like 45 okay. or something I don't, like that. I, I have a few of the early ones, and then I, I start having them at like 30, and then I have them consistently. So I guess I, at some point, I became a subscriber, but before that, I have like this erratic. So if I found them in occasional places right. or whatever. Like I yeah, and I'd leave them all over town. I'd mail boxes to people and... You know, I'd I'd give the contributor like like a hundred of them or something. Well, you still do that with with the with the chapbooks for above ground. Press. Yeah, I give, give the I give the author fifty. It's is it just fifty? I feel okay. Yeah, it's like I, more give, of I give them fifty. Yeah. But it's, it's it's really lovely actually. It's nice, but uh, so I and um, what so I we already talked about stances. So that was um one thing that you start. That was another direction. What about other things that you've done? What made you branch off in these other directions? Like. You also had Missing Jacket for a while too, right? Was that part of Above Ground Press? I can't. Yeah. Yeah, it was, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, like stanzas came out of where my reading and writing interests were at the time. Mm. I was uh, interested in the long poem, the serial poem, you know, reading George Bowering, Jack Spicer and all of that. Yeah. So, so stanzas was sort of a... You know, I was reading all these lit journals that had very short lyrics and... I wanted to have access to reading longer pieces. That makes so sense. So creating an outlet was in part to provide myself reading material. I'm almost wondering whether or not stanzas was is possibly even my first introduction to a long longer poems. Mm. It's possible. We're going back, so I can't remember exactly. But a lot of the times, stuff that Above Ground Press does has been my introduction to a style of writing that I haven't seen before or a poet I just never have heard of. Yeah. So it's really handy. But the other yeah, long poems, that was that was something I was really interested in. I think I have, was Gary Barwin like the first one or something? Or the second one or something like that for stanzas? Uh, stanzas, he was an early stanza. Yeah, because I have that. I have that one. So, so Missing Jacket, mm -hmm. uh, I was hanging out with a lot of visual artists 
and there was a very vibrant lit scene here, like poetry scene, and very vibrant visual art scene. But none of them had heard of the other, and I found it very weird. It hasn't really changed that no, much. No, and it's very it's frustrating. frustrating, isn't it? It's very yeah. frustrating. Yeah. So Missing Jacket was in part a response to that. Um, and I did like four issues, but I couldn't sustain it. Um, I was selling 400 bucks worth of ads per issue. Wow, that's great. It cost me 800 great. bucks to produce an issue. I was doing runs of 500. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't really get the proper sort of marketing and sales to really sustain it. I was kind of faking it. I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased at what the journal accomplished, but I just couldn't sustain it by myself as a solo individual, yeah. especially without an income. I was completely faking it. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I'm, I'm driven nuts occasionally by sort of the lack of, uh, like I, there was that Stephanie Bolster chapbook I did in '96 that mm-hmm. I was selling co- like back copies for fifty bucks per, and at one point Gallery One Hundred One just gave them back. Uh we'd launched it there. Yeah, and they they were like, you know, either either we give them to you, or we throw them out. It's like yeah, well, well, and then and then finding out, what was it like five years ago, ten years ago that um, Saw Gallery had a big sort of garage sale as a fundraiser. Right, and they were selling. They were just selling a bunch of stuff and to to raise to raise money, hmm. and they sold three copies of a first edition Michael Ondaatje Billy the Kid for fifty cents each. Ooh. Curry bought them all. Oh, I and, bet he did. And Curry said that they were like they were worth six or seven hundred dollars each <laughs> at that point, and it's all, well, like no comprehension, no comprehension. Like they could like that. That's insanity because. Yeah. They had three copies because he launched it at Saw Video. He read uh, it Saw. Wow. Well, I guess it's just a bunch of papers, right? It's got papers uh, on it. Oh, that's I just no interest in... in <laughs> oh, that's oh well, it's not visual art. Therefore, it's just all nonsense. It's just a book. Uh, uh, Absolutely mind-blowing. Where did the title Missing Jacket come from? Uh, I was living as Tamara Fairchild at that point, and we'd had uh, a party... <laughs> and um oh what was his name it was one of the guys from ink magazine not john deegan but brian oh what was his name but he was so brian was still living here right because ink magazine started in ottawa okay right because john i think he was at ottawa u oh really and then okay. he went and then he went to toronto a lot of interesting things have started um, here actually so brian had left his jacket at our place okay and uh tamara left me a note saying oh brian from missing jacket called and i thought it art i i actually thought, thought it was, was a i thought it was a magazine it sounds like the name of a and publication. then when i realized what the note was or found out later what the note was because he wanted his jacket back like oh that's my, you know left my jacket at your house uh it just sounded like a magazine already so i just built a magazine to go so, are there copies of missing missing jackets still available? I think of the last small press fair I made, or the last a couple of, before I picked up one. And all. I've got a couple issues. I got, yeah. I've got absolute mounds of like okay. mounds. I think there's one issue. I only have half of it to put together. And you wrote these little editorials in yeah. the front, right? I, I think that's. I mean, it's not often I've seen you write editorials in 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 um, you know that form. So that was that was fun to see. And what is it on on the. On the uh, chat books too, and I think on stances it said, "What did it say? It'll blow your colon or something yeah. like." <laughs> that? Anyway, that that made me uh, laugh. So mis- a young Rob McLennan's ideas. 
So Missing mm-hmm. Jacket had three interviews per issue, one with a local writer, one with an out-of-town writer, one with a local visual artist. It had um, three artist statements by local visual artists. Yeah. It had uh, two or three poetry features, so it had a couple poems per person, and then separately a single poem by someone else on the back cover. It had a uh, column by... James Spiker. Yeah, yeah. It had comics by Greg Kerr. It had a handful of book reviews. And then after the first issue, I gave the middle, the whole middle spread to a visual artist to do literally whatever they wow, wanted to but do. It's all photocopied, so black and white. Yeah, yeah. but they could create Still, a new thing yeah. just for that yeah. format. Uh, and then I had one, maybe two short stories per issue. Um, yeah, I had an Elizabeth Hay. Uh, short story in an issue hmm. before her book of short stories came out, her first book of short stories. Oh. And uh, she got the title of the magazine wrong in her credits. Right. <laughs> and I told her, I forget what it was, uh, what she what she written in. And she was hor- mortified, basically. Yeah, it's hard with titles. And, and, I, and I said, no, no, don't worry about it. You, you know, just fix it in your, in, when it gets reprinted. And she's like, rolled her eyes. Like, yeah, right. I went through like 14 printings. Wow. But did it get fixed? It, it just, oh. yeah, and she mailed me to second printing. That's nice, actually. It was super nice. So I have two of them downstairs. But that, like, <laughs> it was a short story that kind of gave her a different kind of attention. Right. So, like, people started to really, like, she's won, like, Gillers and stuff. I since, know. She's a really but, well But um, uh, that almost seemed like the hinge writing. upon which her t- the attention to her work turned hmm. was that short story collection. It was very neat to, you know, be yeah. very peripherally attached to well that so stands wait, so above ground press started in in 93 and stanzas was it also in 93 yeah or? but i think november okay yeah because i only know that because i was looking it up last week for some reason well you have to this year because you're, you're you're probably having various anniversary activities which we'll talk about but all these details are essential now probably probably what about missing jacket was it in the same year or did you wait uh, a i think bit? that was like 94 95 okay. around there and then so, ended i think 96 97 okay. so it was sort of in that period and what okay so another thing uh, is another uh, physical uh, magazine is the peter f yacht club um, publication yeah that was the late 90s okay um, so we moved from from we've moved a few years down the line now so uh there, a bunch of us realized that and it was like a support group <laughs> well you know if you're doing these weird things like writing poems or stories and sending yeah. it to magazines it is sort of a weird thing if your mom doesn't get it your partner doesn't oh, get totally, it yeah. you know it's just it's just it's a strange thing to have conversations about so a couple of us just started just hanging about and just informally having it like a support group and being able to talk about you know some of those things around that so it's Stephen Brockwell Laurie Fuhr J.W. Curry um Anita Dolman and James Moran met through PFYC. Nice, a romantic, a so, romantic story. So I feel as though their son Dylan, you know, is the I think, child of. of I think he's. I think he's actually uh, he's owned. I think he's owned but by the magazine, and the magazine was sort of children. an. Yes. Off, <laughs> magazine was sort of an offshoot of the social interaction, and the magazine I based on tads that uh bowering and a bunch of people were doing in vancouver tads tads yeah because that was the name of the young ones in pogo 
right? The tads and the dads is how they refer to themselves. They go drinking every Friday night. Oh. And it'd be a bunch of the old guys, George Bowering, George Stanley. What is Poco for those of us who don't know? Uh, Walt Kelly comic strip from the 1930s okay. and 40s. Okay, I had no right? idea. I was like, what? Are we talking um, about Pogo tads? I don't know. Where yeah, and Bowering's <laughs> referenced Pogo a few times over the years in oh, okay. various of his projects. So so <laughs> tads was tadpoles, right? Yeah, sure. And, and so... It, I think it came out of a mid-90s class that Bowering had taught that had, like, Jason Lehoop mm-hmm. and Chris Turnbull and Wade Compton oh, okay. and uh, all sorts of people like that. So they all go to this one bar every Friday. <laughs> and the old guys would hang out with the young guys. And a journal kind of emerged of that. And a different person in the group was responsible for... A different issue. I think they only ended up doing like eight or nine, maybe. Okay. So, you know, when you took on an issue, you took on all of it. You paid for it. You distributed it. You solicited for it. So uh, I was introduced. Number four is the one George sent me. And it says okay. it says in it, um, edited, typeset, and paid for by George Bowering. That's good. Yeah, because he did uh, it. So yeah. why would he not say that? Yeah. And then That's there was right. another issue that Jason LeHoop did. There was another, you know. Different I like people. That model. I yeah, like that model. and 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 you know that's what I was sort of hoping for for PFYC. Um, you had a few issues that were curated. Very few, maybe five or six. Yeah. In- uh, that's how I ended up in the because the first issue I was in was in two thousand three because uh, Melanie Little and Peter Norman, Peter Norman, yeah, they they, um, they didn't want to make a full two hundred print run. They were okay. they were finding the. Uh, but uh, it was too expensive to make more than I only made like 80 or something. Oh, that's too bad. But I remember I was because I was envious. I was envious yeah. about this magazine. I wanted to be in it. And I was like, and finally, I got in. But then it was a few years after before I became a regular. And so you did yours. It's still. Yeah. And I also curated the anarchist issue. But my issue had almost um, nobody from the re- regulars because I asked for and I didn't get very much. But I got stuff from I got, there was this magazine. I got someone, I read something in this American magazine that I wanted in the issues, so I just asked them um, if I could include, I asked the author if I could cool. include it. So it's all kinds of, and I can't remember, some kind of cool graffiti magazine or something. So that was fun. They were that, that was fun to do, though. And I think that, I don't remember when that was, but I don't know if I was, if I had done things like Experimento or... No, um, you hadn't. Yeah, so I think, uh, I, I think sometimes, I got that bug of... Because like we were doing bywords, but this was like a separate thing. Yeah, so it was a different. And then, and then, sort of, and I knew that finances were an issue for, say, Max Middle and Laurie Fuhr. Sure. Yeah. So their issues I produced in my office when I was at UVA. Right. right. Yeah, I produced, distributed. So they just they gave me they gave yeah. me the insides, and you know the rest of it is kind of my problems. But all the insides was them. But it's a really fun idea, and I, I've, I've always really liked the Peter F. Yacht Club because I think a lot of times a lot of people put their sort of first... What I do is I, I use it for some of my first... When I'm working on it, something new, I'll often use either that or we say touch the donkey yeah. now. Something that's brand new that I'm just starting working on, and then it's often there. That's what, what, I, what I find sort of maddening, though, is that uh, PFYC is one of the very few things, probably the only thing that I ever make that no one ever orders. Really? Ever. It's, is there, I so, never get an order for it. Never. Is there an easy way to order it on your... 
as easy as all the rest of the things I make. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've had like, that easy, yeah. I've had 12 orders for the Alice Notley chapbook and people figured that out. Well, you know, the, so this is a, this is a, a reminder, people, that uh, Peter F. Yacht Club is a really worthy uh, yeah, magazine a, and you ton, should be ordering it. Tons of them downstairs. I have like, some like of the anarchist issues. Subscribers still. get them. Yeah. So I mail out like 110 yeah. of every issue just to subscribers for above ground. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, my touch the donkey list is much bigger than that. Because there's a whole different list that I actually mailed as copies to, to people who've either been in them or I want them to, you know, right. them to be in it. Like so, here's here's another thing I like it to be in. Like, but why you know. did you what what? So PFYC was was started in the '90s as well. So yeah. The, well, the the, the, the first the issue the... was 2003. Okay, so no, it started in, in but the, the but the grouping of just hanging about and was in the 90s. Right. Was in the late 90s, and and the title came came from pillows. We had one meeting at Anita Dolman's place, and she was living on a corner of McLeod and Elgin. And I guess someone in the building had died, and they had a lot of possessions sort of scattered in the lobby, including these two pillows with these <laughs> awesome logos. So and do I you said, have hey, a pillow still? You oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I tried to give them to Anita. Like, you have one, and I have one. And after a few weeks, Anita's like, oh, you can you can have these. <laughs> um, but that's where, literally where the name came from. And I can't look it up online to find out anything because the only stuff that comes up is me. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You, you've you've taken over the Google on, on Peter F. Yeah, Apple. it's kind of frustrating to look. Someone should make another one with a with a slightly different name and sort of mess it up, like Peter Yacht F Club or something. I don't know. They would still come up, probably. I know. Oh, what about Touch the Donkey? What 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 made you decide to start that? Another physical magazine. Um, you know, weirdly, that was you know when you figure out your impulse after the fact. <laughs> um, yes. That magazine, it's quarterly. I do five or six interviews online per yeah. issue. You know, a supplement to the issue that emerged a few months after Rose was born, and it came out of my nervousness with being home. Oh, they're gonna forget I exist, so I start a magazine. That which, makes which sense. Is insane. No, I it's can insane. Get that? You just kind so of I solicited, <laughs> I solicited, produced, and mailed out the first issue before I told Christine I started a magazine. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, Jessica Smith thought that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so. But what's the difference? What would you say the difference is between, say, the PFYC and Touch the Donkey? PFYC is a writers group magazine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I solicit from the group, and theoretically, every editor uh, also invites sort of a few other people. Right. Uh, where Touch the Donkey is interested in more experimental work, and it's roughly ha half American, half Canadian, with the occasional other. Per right. issue. Right. So, like, boy work, I'm four issues ahead, and girl work, I'm two or three issues ahead. Boy work and girl work? Well, you know, when you get uh, when you get one submission by a female that you've had to ask for, and you get, like... Yeah, 50 by a guy. Yeah, that, That's unsolicited. I know, I know. I know. We get the same. I, it's, I, yeah. it's, it's kind of crafting issues. And then having the interviews, I do need to work further ahead. Yeah, that makes so sense. So, I'm yeah. usually a year ahead on content yeah. um, and three different people have taken a full year to answer seven questions right a full year it's <laughs> annoying yeah but if they take know. six or eight months and they're all apologetic i'm still ahead 
That's it. If you right. did it fast enough. So what? What about the interviews? Like you've had uh, twelve or twenty questions going on, Still and, do. and also um, twelve or twenty small press questions going on. Yeah, that was fun. And, Still and, is. And now you have this interview series with Touch the Donkey. What is it about doing interviews that uh, appeals to you? Uh, putting Why it, did you putting start? it in their words? Yeah. You know, there's a certain part of if you're trying to talk about someone's work. Uh, Sometimes it's better just to have the author speak for themselves, right? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's just clearer. It's it's more concise. It's more precise. But for for I, I can't remember. It, it touch the donkey. Do you ask people? You 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 ask people specific questions directly. Very later. specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very specific. That's that's a back so, and forth. Yeah. Where, where the the twelve and twenties are are sort of memeish in comparison. Yeah, I like. That. I, I I again like a lot of a lot of the stuff Angel House Press does has been modeled after what you do. So mm. like I mean I so I do like for our imprint Devil House. I have those six questions that I ask because we're trying to explore the nature of transgression and creative work. It's right. like I'm trying to learn for myself because it's it's such a general word. So how does it apply? A nebulous, very nebulous. Yeah, word. and so I, I and so I get and the idea is I come I, in the end. Well, if there's ever an end, I hope there's never an end. But we'll have like a whole list of interesting transgressive material, uh, music, books, film, and stuff like that that people you know can refer to and say. I want to make a whole big links list as well and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I like, I like, I like those kind of, um, those there, I don't know a better way to say it than cookie cutter interviews, but specific questions at, like versus like just general, like questions that you ask everyone. I like both those methods. Like they were, yeah. And I tweak them. I clearly yeah. tweak them for yeah. uh, stuff around the bio. Like if you're not writing fiction, I don't ask how writing fiction no. affects your work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've done God, I've, like a thousand of them now or something. Wow. Uh, and what becomes interesting is watching different people sort of interact with the questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, someone will write like a paragraph or two on an answer and others will say that's a dumb question. And they will, uh, yeah. And then there are others who don't answer all the questions right. and, and leave some out, like Major Jackson. Oh. Um, he's coming to Verse Fest, He's coming to Verse Fest. His interview is up. Tomorrow, I think. And he doesn't answer at least a third of the questions. Hmm. Um, and that's that's fine. Yeah, my, my, for the longest time, my preference was every yeah every question. But and I think Christiana Gunnar's rewrote a bunch of her questions, hmm. which normally I wouldn't like. But <laughs> anyone knowing anyone aware of the series would be aware that she had done that. Yeah, I didn't need to put in a little note saying she rewrote all of her questions. For I God like sakes. it when people break rules and and when they do it in interesting ways. Like I, I yeah. enjoy it. I, it's, yeah, and then you yeah. know Christine Stewart did all sort of like single sentence, very short <laughs> responses, uh, and other people just go on go on, uh, which I actually find more interesting. Um, because I'd like a little bit more meat in the interviews, but yeah, there are enough of them that exist that if you if you start going through them, you start to see how it's less important. It's less interesting, even in a way, the answer, but how each author has approached the same yeah question. In fact, you could almost take 
like each question and sort of do it that like if you say we're doing a book yeah like yeah you yeah, can yeah, take yeah. each question and then have a bunch like you could yeah. do a book for one question Just a, yeah you know? it's question nine yeah Everyone yeah just randomly Call it question nine <laughs> but that that becomes really fascinating i think it is really fast now are you someone who's always like were you reading interviews or, or listening to interviews when you started to do decide to do the interview series or are you just um no, and that was sort of, well, yes and no. Like, I wasn't deliberately reading interviews with, I'm going to do this now. Right. Um, it did take me a week to craft the original questions. I really thought that apart from sort of the grunt work of just posting, and, well, soliciting and posting, the real work of the series was getting questions that made sense, that were interesting, yeah. you know, that were malleable. Um, but my original model was the Kate Greenstreet uh interview series where she was interviewing people with first books really oh i think i saw it i barely I that was a long that. time ago and she I was sort of my, that was sort of my model i thought you know that's interesting the series she interviewed nick lee yeah okay I, um, I don't think i know that and she was only interviewing people with first books well i'll have to look that up somehow uh, and find that because first of all i really admire her work so much and i've enjoyed oh, it oh she's, she's brilliant she's come so to town. Brilliant. she's come to town for readings a couple of times now twice twice i've she, been at both those and i always yeah, i really yeah, love yeah she times. came up in 2006 she wrote with ronda douglas when when we launched uh, Rhonda's Above Ground Chap. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. think I remember. And I remember the last time was on that. There were other. There was um, Paige Ackerson Keeley came up and. Uh, yeah, we had her at Perverse Fest. Yeah. Yeah, because I'd done that chapbook of hers. That was that was. But I mean, there were there were a few people who came up like as a kind of a tour. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. And it, it, was, it was yeah, that was really fun. So and I love I love all of her work. I devour her work. So and I never heard of her before. Her Paige has a new book coming out, eh? Yep. Oh, does she really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's Finally. another one I really I really like Finally. her work as well. I yeah. really like, well, finally, I don't know, someone who, you know, I can't talk about finally, but um, yeah, so okay, so then we have another, now we move into another online magazine, which is Ottawater, which was started because of the city's anniversary. Yeah, I yeah. thought, I just presume that I, putting out in January, that would have been the beginning of a whole anniversary year of activity. It was like 2003? 2005. 2005, okay. And I was uh, really surprised and quite disturbed that there was almost no activity. There yeah. was a, a like a weekend or a week-long show of local art in September that year. Like, it was our anniversary. We were 150. But that like, was it. Why, yeah. Like, why ignore it? Why? Mm. why <laughs> I don't understand how Ottawa is so self-dismissive. Like, Ottawa's been all yeah. over the Canada 150. Yeah. Uh, but... It did nothing for the Ottawa 150? <laughs> I find it so weird. So, like, yeah, Ottawa Water was invented for that reason. Right. Um, that's why it comes out every January. And, uh, again, the argument for that, like, that's that's a journal that's maybe a bit more open than any other of my work mm. editorially. Uh, because the focus is... Um, people that live here or used to. Used to yeah, formerly. So right. there are people that I, might appear in that that might not appear in anything else of mine. Ah, Just because, you know, my interest lies other places for right. certain kinds of work, right? That's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of struggling with the idea of um, editor's aesthetic now. And I, I was thinking that um, one thing is I'm putting together a National Poetry Month. I've just sent out yeah, all yeah. my... So I, what I've realized is that what I'd like to do is not just make things about what I like but rather about give a variety of different styles for this particular project well, especially. And you have to be careful of what that means. If you stand yeah. behind the work, yeah. if you like it enough, you yeah. think it is good well, at what it is doing. Well, I have to like doing, 
thing. So I mean, I can't, yeah, exactly. I can't it's like not. I can't um, not. If you, yeah, if you don't like it, the, then then we're not going to trust you as an editor, kind no. of thing. But I still, I still wanted to be. I still want there to be enough. You wanted it to variety. be more open, stylistically. Yeah, just, yeah. Because I mean, for instance, there was a time in my life where I might not have liked. I might not have even read. Thank you. I'm just getting more tea, thanks to Rob and his excellent hosting skills. But there was a time in my life where I, I, I was very prescriptive about my taste for poetry and very close-minded because I was just starting out in contemporary poetry. And so right. it's like when you're a child and you're learning things, you, you sort of, I hate everything but this for a while, and then you kind of learn yeah, as you go. Yeah, but, so, you, know, you know, like for a lot of yeah. my stuff, I only have X amount of space. So my impulse might be, yeah, that's good at what it does, but I, I'm not interested in it. I'm more interested in something else. Yeah, no, I can see that. So, like, I, if I get a book in the mail that I don't think is worth... It's not your... It's not something I, I feel the need to discuss. Yeah. Because I only have X amount of time, and I'd rather spend that time and energy talking about something I'm excited about. And that that's not a mark on of quality of the no, work. It's just it's my how you interest is somewhere else. Yeah. That's it. You can't force yourself to engage with something that doesn't. No, because that takes four times as long, it and does, it comes off as false. Like, it's like watching right? paint dry. Yeah, and it, it, too... but it comes off as being yeah, false. Yeah, it's, it's not. No, I have to. I have to at least be able to engage with the work. But <laughs> I can usually recognize. Like I went through last year. I went through a year of just studying. Well, I didn't do just that, obviously. But one of the things I did was I studied narrative poetry to mm. look at the rhythms of it especially like things to do with like um, child trauma and stuff like that. Mm. When did they impart the information? If they did, how did they do it? How did they, did they do it directly? Did they, did they disguise it? What was the balance like in the rhythm? And so, it was really interesting because a lot of times, um, one of my issues with a lot of narrative poetry is that a lot of it's just beginning, middle, end and it, or, 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 or cause and effect. Like, so I was interested in the rhetoric of right. narrative poetry and and then I, I try to write some myself. So, but yeah, I, there's a book that I just reviewed that uh, kind of goes through that trauma, and I like its straightforwardness in a way. Yeah, that's it. So um, that it actually you... makes it more powerful for being, and not yeah. overly narrative. There, is, like it is narrative, but I mean, it's not overly wordy, and it's just details, 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 yeah. and they're done in a way that just it doesn't feel like too much, but it's really powerful because she doesn't, you know. It's done very straight. Is it? Did you have a review of that book oh. recently, or? Well, the review comes out next week. Okay, so we we can know. Can we, we get a teaser? Who is who is the book by? Well, I don't remember her name. Oh, here it is. <laughs> here we go. He's going over here. There. It is Diane Arterian Monster Sage, playing Monster Sage. Yeah, it came first, out in nineteen thirteen, and it's her first book. It's a beautiful. I've never heard of her, but it's a you beautiful know, I get, I get looking book. <gasps> What is 1913? What is 1913? That's in the U.S. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful looking book. Well, that's nice. Very that's, nice. That's uh, Ben and Sandra Dollar, I believe, yes. are the uh, editor walking. publishers. <laughs> I, Rob just walked over to his uh, book, uh, one of his many bookshelves in the in the, uh, the the living room has has a lot of books. Do you have Have you ever counted how many books are in are in here? Any idea? Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Any idea of any number of shelves or what? Uh, we have probably 13 uh, bookshelves in here, 11 uh, billies, full-size billies, and this room is all poetry. This room is all poetry. Isn't yeah. that nice? That's a nice... That would even yeah. be a nice name for a podcast, This uh, Room is All Poetry. And then okay. downstairs is fiction and, and comic books, and my office is nonfiction. And Above Ground Press takes up how much space uh, downstairs? Uh, well, everything's being resorted because we had our flood, yes, so stuff's flood. still being put back. Um so the side room, the spare bedroom, 
which doesn't have a bed in it anymore. It will again. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the above ground stock. And then the Shadier stock is in the unfinished part. That's right. Didn't some of my books bite the biscuit with the with the flood or something? Only about four or five copies. Well, that's not bad. I'm not I'm not hurt or sad. Oh, we we lost <laughs> almost nothing as far I'm, as I'm uh, really the glad flood. that that's except true. for time. Yeah, right? time because it happened the day before Halloween. I know, and we Let's... don't have all of our stuff back from storage yet. Uh... I've moved about forty boxes of books over the last week. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, Put our library back together downstairs. This makes you, at some point, I, I've never regretted having books, but anytime I've done any moving, I always think, why don't I have a lighter? I will hot, why don't I like ebooks more? I do like ebooks, but I, not for poetry. So when, when we had the flood, we had to tear up the carpet. So, but it meant that I had to pack and lift 250 boxes of books and paper over five days so we could get the bookshelves out before we could even get the carpet ripped up to make sure we didn't have mold. And that took eight days. Wow. And yet it's sort of like almost a religious thing. Eh? On the eighth day, you uh, you got rid of the mold. <laughs> and, then, and, and then after that is when uh, we had a confirmation of the kind of damage it was. Uh, and then the insurance said, yeah, I guess. Ugh. So we had over a week. We didn't even know if insurance was going to cover oh, it. Again, and we had, we had like probably like 10, 15 bookcases drilled into the walls. We had to rip all that stuff out. Mm. all of it and we'd stuff on the floor and yeah. yet surprisingly the above ground press activity and your own activity it feel, felt like it didn't i don't maybe it did so but i've still received well, i didn't do anything of, else that week okay that week <laughs> but like i'm still receiving lots of chapbooks in the mail yep. on a regular basis you know and, and uh, so yeah okay so i guess another thing that you do um is the factory reading series yeah that goes back to about uh that goes to January '93. When I started to to attend, it was called Poetry 101, and it was in Gallery 101. Yeah, I, and then uh, Gallery a new that was on the pian. A new person at 101 decided arbitrarily that uh, people are going to think it's part of Gallery 101 programming. You can't call it that anymore because of 101. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or as a previous curator who who said it would be a fun idea to change the name. <laughs> and then so that new curator also basically kicked me out saying, mm -hmm. you know, your readings are so uh, well attended and popular uh, that it's not fair to all other people who want to have readings here. So you can't do them anymore. Oh, OK. And she also Happy. tried to convince me to sit hours in a gallery in exchange for the space, the space. Oh, okay. well, Yet previous curators had said that me using the space yeah, it brought people into the gallery it right? brought people into the gallery work. but also allowed them to be honest about saying that they're a multidisciplinary center exactly. on funding applications yeah yeah no that's but, always so helpful. so she wanted me to do volunteer work so i could do volunteer work oh uh, well that's... yeah that's that's one of many reasons i've been at the carlton for so long i've been at the carlton 18 years now, I think. 18, yeah, well, that's as long as I've been going to my dentist. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and my dentist is way more painful than the, no, the Carlton Tavern. It's fun. So so with the factory, so with, when it was poetry, when it was factory reading, and before that, it didn't even have a name. Yeah, so you had a nameless, so what? who was your first, uh, do you remember who your first readers were? Well, me. You? I launched my yeah. first chapbook. Okay. In January 93. And uh, you, instead of, like, you didn't go through Tree or... Well, I was running Tree. You were running Tree, so you didn't... I was running Tree by mid-94, mm -hmm. but it was if someone wanted to do a reading from out of town and 
it didn't fit in a tree schedule, yeah. I'd just set up another event and I'd yeah, throw just... one or, I'd throw one or two locals in there, maybe, you know, above ground press people, whatever. And I just had a reading at like Mother Tongue or Collective Works right. or you know, I didn't have a press name attached. I didn't have a name attached to it. I think Poetry 101 was the first name. And then Factory, it's like, well, Christ, I was just, I was just randomly trying to figure out a, a name. <laughs> no Andy Warhol connection? No, it was, just, it was just really a, just a random name uh, <laughs> as I was annoyed at uh, the person running 101 at the time. So it's like a sort of a factory kind of thought or somehow. Well, yeah, for some reason, I, well, not, I don't know. I, whenever I hear a factory, I always think of. Andy Warhol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In industry, but right? The first, um, well, when you changed the factory reading series and you moved to um, the Ottawa Art Gallery. Yeah, before that, that I was at Mercury. I was at Mercury, Mercury for a couple of years. Okay, I don't know that I went. Oh, maybe I went to. I went, did go to the ones at the Mercury. But yeah. I remember at, um, I met uh, Emily Falvey yeah. there at, at the, because she was the curator yeah, at the Ottawa and, Art Gallery. And then, and then uh, when she moved on, the gallery said, you know, Emily did free work to have you here and we're not paying someone right. time and a half for to do your events. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah, and, and Mercury only let me do a few a year and Ottawa Art Gallery only let me do a few a year, like five or six a year at most. Um, and Carlton, I can just do whatever I want, whenever I whenever want, as long as, as long as, 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 long free, as the space right? is available. Yeah, right? yeah, no, I can see that. So That's I could good. do, I could do three in a month if I wanted to, right? Or I could just not do it for six months. Yeah. Like, that's fine. So you, but but it's basically not just for locals, but it's also for people when they come to town yeah. if they want to. Because I know sometimes people will ask me if I know of any any particular. Um, place for uh where they could read i always i mentioned if, so it's, it's sort it's, of whenever yeah and it's not just for poetry it's also for Correct. for prose as well right well tree wasn't just for poetry no i know until you know. until um rhonda rhonda douglas shifted it to all poetry yeah i, or no, I, she, I thought it was she i didn't focus think, of poetry i think yeah rod, i thought it was rod rod peterson made it all poetry and, and claimed yeah. he had no idea because like when when we were running it um we may get a rebuttal answer on the tape i don't know um <laughs> It was uh, poetry and fiction, occasional yeah. playwright. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, like the poetry focus uh, was well after me, and Rhonda was at least two people after me. Yeah, I know. It, it, this three reading series has been around for uh, 40. 1980. Yeah, so it's been around for quite some time. It's been at various venues, and a lot of people, various people in the community have, have run it, and yeah. I believe they're looking for directors now, so. Unless they've already found some people to do it, but it, you know, if this, I is, think they could always use another person. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of interesting things to do. So if you yeah. if you're bent that way and broken that way, you want to run a reading series, you should do it. I feel as though I should wake up the little one. It's after three. All right. Well, otherwise we'll, it messes up bedtime. Well, just one last question before. Okay. Just how are you celebrating and commemorating the anniversary, and what are some of your future plans for the press? Uh, future plans. Uh, I have no specific future plans. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, keep I do... going is a good plan. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I want to do another anthology at 30. I think every 10 years is good for anthology. Sort yeah. Sort of, uh, you know, what the, that decade has done. Yeah, we've had two anthologies yeah. so far, right? Yeah. Uh, this year I'm doing something different that, uh, I'm going to keep under wraps for now. All right. Um... Because I didn't see the point in doing a 25 anthology, because that's, we just did an anthology five this years ago. This is a silver anniversary, though, so, you know. Um, <laughs> I might be doing t-shirts. Ooh, um, t-shirts. Yeah, I'm throwing a t-shirts or tote bags. Be Feeling fun. that out, I know a guy. Ooh. Um, actually, my eldest daughter's partner uh, runs a business out of their house. 
Well, we can put up a link. T-shirts and, you know, posters. He does all sorts of things. Um, I'm posting all of these 25th anniversary essays by, yeah. by uh, various authors. It's yeah. very neat. It's uh, I like reading them. I've, I've enjoyed every one. I, I especially like Jason Christie's. This was this, this one I wasn't my favorite, I think, of all of the Oh, my of favorite have been Jason Christie and uh, um, Jessica Smith. Oh, I like Trace a lot. I mean, I like uh, all of them. They were they're all, all they're all, they're all, they yeah. all have something really they neat. They all focus on a, a little bit different, a different element. Yeah. yeah, but there's there are elements that Jason got and Jessica got that that felt like things yeah. I'd been doing for a long time that I didn't think anyone had noticed. That's it. Notice that, that Rob does all this above ground press stuff without any, any funding, like any government funding whatsoever. Was that a choice or did you, did you just, have you tried to apply for funding or? There is no funding for chapbooks. Yeah. So I could try, but you could, but for it like doesn't this, exist. You could try for what, I mean, you could do it for some of the online stuff or the series or. Well, it's harder with one person, right? Yeah, I know um, you have to have committees, and you have, you have to. to have, have, yeah, you have to have yeah. a, a different kind of structure. It's a different structure, and you, you, uh, yeah, I, I could, don't do it for Angel House Press either because of that. And Byward's you know, I could make two more things in a time. I could do making an application. That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And and uh, same like the Ottawa Small Press Fair, mm -hmm. I'd have to open up an account in a bank, and then suddenly I'm being charged like fees. Yeah, we have a, for Byron, you know? we have a community service as account that don't exist anymore, but we have an old grandfathered one at a bank, so yeah. So like yeah. If, if I opened, if, if I were to apply for funding, I'd have to open an account and suddenly a bunch of that money would go into just bank fees and service fees. Yeah, I know. And if I true. didn't get a, and if I didn't get a, a grant every year, then after a while, it's eating up more money than I'd applied for. That's it. And I just, it just seems silly for the sort of expensive time. There you go. Now I'm hearing the sounds of Aoife, oh. so we will let Rob go and wake her up, and we will say thank you, Rob, and uh, we look forward to what's happening with Above Ground Press this year. Thanks to Rob McLennan for this interview. Stay tuned next time where A.M. Kozak and I will be talking about um, all the different events and various books and things that we've read in the past while since last we've uh, spoken together. Thank you very much. Small Machine Talks with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. <laughs>